This is Scott Becker with the Becker Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by Luke Sean Day, Dr. Day, Dr. Day's Chief Medical Officer at the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. San Francisco General Hospital, Zuckerberg Hospital is a magnificent safety net hospital, and, and Dr. Day has had this magnificent career as a gastroenterologist turned physician leader, now as a chief medical officer. I'm going to talk today. Dr. Day, can you take a moment, tell us about first yourself and the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. Then I want to talk about what does the hospital need to be absolutely great at to continue to be impactful for communities? What does the hospital need to be just great at? Dr. Day, can you tell us a bit about yourself and about San Francisco General? Of course. Um, hi, Scott. Uh, thanks again for inviting me today and to be a part of your podcast. Always enjoy uh, talking with you. Um, by way of training, I'm a gastroenterologist, as you had mentioned, uh, practicing in San Francisco, California. Uh, I completed all of my medical education and training in the Bay Area, Northern California, and have spent my entire professional career at the University of California, San Francisco, with my primary work at our county hospital, the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. Uh, in addition to my clinical practice, I focused uh, a lot of my career really on healthcare administration. Uh, started up small uh, as the medical director of our ZSFG GI clinic, uh, and then really expanded to other areas outside of my specialty, which grew to our ambulatory care specialty care clinics, and now is the chief medical officer here for the last two and a half years. Um, a little bit of way by um, history for the San Francisco General Hospital. Um, so it has been known by many names, but really most people probably know it by the general. Um, it's our only provider of trauma and psychiatric emergency services for the city and county of San Francisco. Um, it's a comprehensive medical center, serves really a little over 100,000 patients per year, and provides close to 20% of inpatient care in the city. Uh, it's part of an integrated delivery system and really provides a significant array of outpatient services, which include both primary and over 65 uh, diverse specialty care clinics. Uh, as many of you probably know, it's one of the nation's top academic medical centers, uh, and we think one of the best public hospitals in the country. And we have a very strong and longstanding partnership with the University of California School of Medicine uh, for clinical training and research. Fantastic. And, and Dr. Craig, how is the role of chief medical officer evolving? What, what have you seen? What do you see today? How is that role evolving? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. You know, the, the role of a CMO um, has evolved significantly in the short time that I've been in it. Um, and the pace of change for it actually is quite shockingly fast. Uh, there's really, as we all know, a great deal of change that I think is occurring across healthcare, and the landscape of healthcare is quite dynamic. A couple of things that I see in terms of how the role of CMO is changing. Um, first, there's been a tremendous shift, I think, to leveraging our electronic health records. Um, I think healthcare is really constantly being transformed by the technology around us. Uh, a CMO really needs to be adept at this change and figure how to leverage and utilize the technology to improve really the quality and the delivery of healthcare to our patients and to the community. I think a second thing is really um, we must be looking more forward and must be more of a visionary leader. Um, I think as CMOs, we really have to work with our leadership teams to plan not only our strategy, but really to implement change that helps really to create a more integrated uh, seamless care for our patients. And then thirdly, I think CMOs really have to be involved, not only just in the hiring of their team, but I think we have to be much more actively involved in the development and growth of our team members and our staff. And I've found that this can take on many forms, whether it's you know developing educational programs, mentoring, teaching or even coaching their teams. I think it's really important to develop our future leaders as CMOs. 
And I think the one thing is, is you know, I think as all of your listeners probably know, uh, the current pandemic has really taught us a lot uh, that we really always have to be prepared for the unprecedented and unknown changes that are ahead of us. Uh, and I think that we have to be flexible and adaptable to these changing circumstances. And while I know it's a very dynamic time uh, that will trans- transform the way we deliver healthcare to our patients, at the same time, I think this change really um, can cause a lot of concern and trepidation for our staff and our system. And so as a CMO, I'm really excited to be a part of this change, um, knowing that it can be a benefit to our patients and staff, but also really keenly aware that we have to be mindful, I think, of this changing journey uh, for our staff and patients and really to help um, manage this change uh, for both our community patients and our staff. Fantastic. And how much time is spent recruiting meeting with members of your team, recruiting physicians, what does that look like? How much of the time is spent there versus other clinical staff too? Yeah, I probably, you know, with my team itself, uh, when I first started this role, I uh, spent a significant amount of time, probably I would say a good 20% to 30% of my time recruiting for open positions and just learning more about my core team. Uh, The first thing I did was really identify, you know, who's part of my core leadership team, uh, making sure that there were clear roles and responsibilities and job descriptions, and then really setting up one, a team meeting that we have, you know, probably about once to twice a month where the entire team gets together. Um, We'll have presentations about topics that affect all of us, but really it's kind of a a group check-in and really sort of peer networking. And then I do um, twice a month uh, check-ins with each member of that team. I do one-on-one discussions. And really, I try to have like a structured format for talking with them. So the first meeting we have is really around sort of, you know, data, challenges that they're having, successes they're having, what are they working on, escalating issues to me, and and what, what can I do to support them? And then that second meeting I have with them is really more about what I call sort of coaching and development. And it's really, you know, working on issues that they may be wanting to, you know, sort of delve into a little bit more. What is it what they like to learn? What are skills that they want to be able to sort of, you know, um, accumulate over the next couple of years? Where would they like to go? Um, You know, the question I always ask them is, who do you want to be, you know, as you advance in your career? And so really trying to make sure that I align with, you know, the projects or the training that they're doing aligns with more of what they'd like to see themselves doing in the future. And talk about the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. I mean, a magnificent, it's so critical, particularly in these public health needs and crises times. What does the hospital need to be great at the next 5, 10, 20 years? What does Zuckerberg General Hospital have to be great at? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, I don't, you know, as everything, I don't think there's one specific thing that uh, the hospital or ZSFG should excel at, but it's really, I think we have to surpass expectations and try to really, I think, continuously improve in a number of what I call sort of interdependent and interconnected domains. Um, Our hospital, and I like to think of, you know, these areas falling into four um, important and critical domains, and they really span, you know, quality of care, safety for our patients, equity for our staff and patients and community, and I think really then the experience of our patients and staff when they're here on the campus. Um, I think in each of these areas, uh, a hospital, and this is what we're doing at ZSFG, is one is to do um, a deep objective dive into each of these areas to really better understand where we excel at in them, but also I think, you know, where we might have some gaps and areas where we could definitely probably improve. And then I think really building upon that information and sort of, you know, that gap analysis or that needs assessment is really then to establish metrics in each of these areas 
to, I think, really focus and hone the work that you want to do. But I think also, you know, really it holds the organization accountable as well as, you know, makes it much more transparent to everyone in the organization of what you're really working on. And I think finally, you know, once you have these metrics established, it's really developing, you know, what we call countermeasures or interventions in each of these domains that help us to really strive to continuously improve in each one of them. So I think it's really those four key domains, those four key pillars that I talked about that hospitals really have to strive to improve on and really should have their focus on. Fantastic. And how is how do you view competition and strategy? How are those things evolving? Yeah, you know, I, I think it depends on the healthcare setting you're in. Um, you know, with public hospitals, I think we are constantly evolving and changing. You know, part of our strategy has been over the last five years is how do we develop into a much more integrated health network? Um, so really, I think pulling together all the great resources we have as a city and as a public health system into one unified system that works, you know, together in a much more seamless fashion. Um, you know, one of the other things we also try to do is partner with some of our local public health hospitals in the Bay Area, I think really to try to sort of leverage best practices, but also services that we may offer or that another system may offer to help our patients. I think in terms of other, you know, health systems, there is a lot of competition going on. Um, the Bay Area is no exception. Uh, I think these are sort of the much larger, more academic medical centers that are having, you know, a lot of these um, uh, significant expansion and mergers that are going on, not so much in the public health system, but I think really our focus has been, you know, how do we grow our system? How do we become a much more integrated system, uh, really going away from all these silos to a much more seamless continuum of care for our patients? And then, then also really then just trying to grow our patient base as well. So making sure that, you know, everyone in the city, um, you know, has uh, a healthcare provider and really trying to make sure that really no one is left behind in terms of health care in San Francisco. Fantastic. And, and, and Dr. Dave, finally, what are you most focused on and excited about this year? Where are you spending your time and what are you most excited about? Yeah, I, I'm sure everyone has heard that, you know, it's, it's always an, it's been an unprecedented year. And I think, you know, this coming year is going to be no different. Um, I really love the work that I'm currently doing. Uh, the thing I love about it is every day brings uh, a new challenge and opportunity for me. Uh, I'm really excited about a number of important areas these days and really uh, enjoy, I think really I put it into sort of four key areas that I'm excited to be working on. One is really just developing um, new strategy, direction and execution of our hospitals um, development plans, you know, especially in the time as we're sort of moving out of the COVID pandemic. Next is focusing and practicing um, evidence-based medicine, but I think really how do we incorporate evidence-based medicine and best practices and really incorporate that into our electronic medical record and our technology. Next would be examining ways in which we can reduce variation in care uh, across our entire system. And I think really it's finally, I think as I talked about, is really how do we transition our system to a much more population health model for healthcare delivery? So again, really moving towards that integrated healthcare system, but really focusing on, you know, population health and preventative medicine. Uh, I think really trying to sort of improve the overall health of our patients. Fantastic. And you're from, if I remember correctly, I've talked to you before, originally from Canada, correct? Southern California, a little farther south. Southern California, which is, which is like Canada. I was close. I was close. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so I was going to ask you the differences in the healthcare systems between. Now, I get thrown off by the French name, Jean Luc. The, um, or Luc Jean, the, um, the, uh, the doctor day. So the, so the question I guess I was going to ask is 
how is healthcare different in Canada versus San Francisco? But that's a ridiculous question for somebody from Southern California, so I won't ask it. But yeah, well, but, tell think, me, but, but, but tell me what's going on in Southern California versus North California in healthcare. I mean, the, the, Kaiser's got such a big role in Northern California. They have a bigger role in Southern California. And, and what what does differ between Southern and Northern California in healthcare delivery? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, there's there's lots of things that I think distinguish Northern from Southern California. Um, you know, I think one of the things that was really apparent to me when I um, uh, started my training up in Northern California was it seemed to me that Northern California, um, in terms of the healthcare systems that are here, appear to be much more integrated and much more sort of, you know, focused on that population health model uh, than I thought Southern California did. Southern California seemed to me, you know, much smaller practices, um, you know, a little bit more fragmented and siloed, uh, at least, you know, when I was growing up. You know, I was um, uh, a Kaiser patient, um, you know, when I was a teenager, um, and it was a it was a, you could get a little bit of a sense of it being an integrated health network, but it wasn't to the same degree that I've noticed in Northern California. And so I think, you know, I think Northern California was a little bit, you know, farther along in terms of sort of, you know, putting together sort of those population health models, really trying to sort of, you know, form these large practices, but really, I think, trying to have this coordinated care. I think Southern California has done a great job of moving forward on this, but I think the big, more striking difference is that they seem to be just a touch behind uh, Northern California on this. A hundred percent. Dr. Day, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Um, that is, 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 is so funny. Like Luke John is the just typical pr- pronunciation of Luke John. It's not like a French pronunciation, so I'm completely off. But anyway, <laughs> no, I appreciate you, you joining us so much. <laughs> thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate it and always enjoy talking with you as well, too. Just a pleasure. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Scott. Bye.